Y'all ready to go up there? All right. Well, good evening. I got the thumbs up. That means we got a green light. We want to welcome you to Broadway. We're glad you're here to worship with us. Let's stand as we sing together this evening. We're missing him. Five hundred two. We're going to go to hymn 237, I Stand Amazed in the Presence. It's hymn 237. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazareth. Oh, and how wonderful and 
song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. Amen. You can be seated for just a moment as I'm going to call, go ahead and call our ushers forward. Now let's pray together as they are on their way up. Lord, thank you for this evening. We thank you for, uh, God, the beautiful weather outside and the, the sunshine and the, the uh, reminder of the life that that brings and the, the ultimate reminder of life from you. Lord, as we move into the time of our service this evening where we give back a portion of what you've blessed us with, God, I pray that you would take our gifts and our tithes and our offerings and, Lord, that you would use them to further your kingdom and your mission through our church here at Broadway. God, we love you. We thank you most of all for Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. As the ushers are passing our plates around, I'm going to invite you to turn to hymn 463, Rock of Ages, Cleft for Me, and you can stay seated as we sing together this evening. Rock of Ages, Cleft for Me. Let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy wounded side which flowed be of sin the double cure. Save from wrath and make me Not the labors of my hands can fulfill thy lost demands. These words could not atone. Thou must save and thou alone. In thy hand no price I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. While I draw this fleeting breath, when mine eyes shall close in death, when I rise to worlds unknown, and behold thee on thy throne, rock of ages, cleft for me, let me hide my soul in and we're going to be flipping back quite a few pages to hymn number six, one of my favorites, How Great Thou Art. I'm going to invite you to stand as we sing this one. Oh, Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made. I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. When through the woods and forest glades I wander, and to the birds sing sweetly in the trees. When I look down from lofty mountain grandeur and hear the brook and feel the gentle breeze, then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. 
Then sings my soul, my Savior guides to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. And when I think that God His Son not sparing, sent Him to die, I scarce can take it in that on the cross my burden gladly bearing he bled and died to take away my sin then sings my soul my Savior God to how great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. When Christ shall come with shout of acclamation and take me home what joy shall fill my heart then i shall bow in humble adoration and there proclaim my god how great thou art then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. Amen. You can be seated. All right, open your Bibles to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 7. We don't have a video today because you're going to, this is a lot of scripture. So it's, um, this is Stephen's sermon. There's also a new microphone I'm using because the one in 1109 died. So um, anyway, <clears throat> I hope it works out well. I'm about to read this for you right here, but you want to go ahead and turn your Bibles. Also, while you're turning your Bibles, make sure you have a bulletin insert because we are going to use that tonight. This here, we're at, a, we're at a part. Chris, there is a rumbling noise. I think it's coming out right there. So, uh, anyway, here we go. <clears throat> Let's read this here. Y'all can zoom in on Facebook Live. If you're going to make it, I'm going to read it. We go to this event in Hilton Head Island called Greg Russell, and the little children make signs, and he, re he reads every one of them. That's under the Liberty Oak Tree there at Harbortown. Pastor, we were going to give you a hundred grand, I didn't get that, for Pastor Appreciation Month, but the money ran through our butterfinger. We didn't have a whatchamacallit to sell and it wasn't payday. We didn't think a pet Kit Kat or a trip to New York or an orbit around the Milky Way would be appropriate. We do want, if you send your pastor to the Milky Way, he's not coming back. We do want you to, we want to thank you for all the mounds of almond joy and the Snickers you bring to the church. We know it's not easy preaching to Sour Patch Kids and Airheads. You are extra special, so thank you so much. That is, I'm going to put that right here. If you get saved tonight, you come on down the aisle and you grab you a piece of candy. So we'll put that right there. I want to tell you, God called me in ministry when I was 16 years old. And I want to tell you, I got some of the best advice from a mentor who told me, 
And God needs to be calling and raising up young people. A lot of folks who get called into the ministry and called to preach, called to be a missionary, called to serve the Lord vocationally, they get called at a young age. They're down there in the youth group right there. And it's important that we encourage young people to follow the Lord and listen and obey. Remember Eli, how he had to instruct Samuel, Samuel to follow and listen to the Lord? That's very important today. And I had a gentleman give me some advice when I was a young man. He said, Daniel, I want you to know, if you're going to be a pastor, whatever else, you know, all this practical stuff, speaking and leading, that's, that's secondary. You have to have a deep knowledge of God's Word. And I want to tell you why. When it comes down to it, most of my week, I spend in this book right here. I preach Sunday morning, then again, round two Sunday morning, then Sunday night, Wednesday night. Half the questions are Bible questions. And it is, if you don't know your Bible, and Brother Hurd knows this, if you don't have a deep well of knowledge of the Scriptures, you're not going to make it. Because the thing is, people come to church because they want to know the Lord. They want to know, do you have a message from God? And that's so important in church life, in the, in the ministry, in the preaching of God's Word, having that deep well of knowing the Lord. And I had the opportunity to attend school forever and certainly um, go to our, some of, two of our great SBC seminaries and uh, grow in the knowledge of the Scripture, as well as attend church. Well, I tell you, one of the best ways to go to church, if you're coming Sunday morning, Sunday school, Sunday night, Wednesday night, you're going to learn the Bible. At least at this church you are. I mean, you're, you should know the Scriptures. Things, like, things shouldn't throw you off. Like this morning, I gave you a whole history of where Satan came from. You should know this is where the devil came from, how he fell, and how also how we have free will and we can choose to live or reject the Lord. Turn in your Bible, Acts chapter 7. Now, we're about to enter a transition in the book of Acts. Sunday nights, we are going through Acts. I tell you, Van, I'm hearing still, I think it's this mic, I think it's the, um, those mics have feedback on them right there. I have a new microphone, so... This is like my fifth microphone since I've been at the church. So we, we burn through them here with that. Yeah, if you weren't here at the 1109 service, my mic just was popping all over, so I actually just turned it off and screamed. <laughs> or yelled. It was. It was no mic. So, all right, we're going to look here. I want you to pull out your uh, insert right there first. Because what's about to happen is we're talking about this transition there is a man we're about to talk about. His name is Stephen. Now, this is a lot of Scripture. I normally do not preach this much Scripture. You're, we're about to read 60 Bible verses. Well, we're going to break it into sections of 10. But it's important because it all flows together. It's the one I couldn't break up. One of the seven deacons was called Stephen. And what's powerful about Stephen is he's also known as the first martyr. Stephen, he is going to be in front of the Sanhedrin, the exact same group that executed Jesus. And what happens here is he's going to give a very lengthy sermon and he's going to die for his faith. And what's powerful about this is you always think, well, why did... Why did the Bible include, why did God include all 60 of these verses in here? I mean, that's a lot of content. And here's why. We're going to see as we go through this. There's one man this sermon influenced. And he witnessed it. He heard the words of the very first Christian martyr. And this reminds us that we never know who's listening to us and who's watching us. There was a man named Saul who got renamed Paul who wrote 27% of the New Testament. Paul gave approval and watched this man die. Paul becomes the greatest missionary ever. But it was because he watched this man 
was passionate about the Lord Jesus. And he thought, I need to be that man. God got a hold of Paul, and he became just as passionate as Stephen. So we're going to follow along. So go ahead and pull out your hand out here, because I want to uh, go, um, mention a couple of things here. Because I want to give you the main points of this sermon as we go through it, because it, it is lengthy. Here are the main points we're going to see here. It's really one running theme that could there. God's presence isn't confined to a building, rather it's with His people. The Jewish leaders kept going back to the temple. Here, they felt Stephen and the, this early church were insulting the temple. And they were trying to say, this is where God lives, in the temple. And Stephen was saying, no, God lives in the people. The people make up the body of Christ. God doesn't live in a building. So that's one of his main points. This is also important. The real lawbreakers are the religious leaders. They rejected the one who fulfilled the law. Meaning, they need to... Re Stephen's pointing out. He's saying, guys, you rejected. Just like you rejected the prophets of old, you have rejected the Messiah. And you don't even realize it. Your hearts are hard. So they were so adamant about pointing out other people breaking the law, and God was saying, no, it's you that's breaking the law. And this is one very interesting. As Stephen was being murdered, as the first martyr for dying for his faith, this is the only place we see Jesus wasn't sitting at the right hand of God. The only place in the Bible says Jesus was standing at the right hand of God. He was standing there, and he was giving approval that Stephen was doing the right thing. So that was powerful. And I think all this story, what it ties into, is we're seeing a younger person named Saul who's witnessing all of this. And God's going to raise up this young man to serve the Lord. You know, I hate to say this, but I look around at our age demographics. Sherry and I attended church on Sunday night growing up. Do you know, I don't think there's a single person in here under 23. The danger with that is you have young people, they're not hearing this. They're not hearing the preaching. I want to tell you, say, Daniel, where does God call young people? You know where God calls people out? He calls them out of the pew. People who get called by the Lord are sitting right there and right there. And they're hearing sermon after sermon, preacher after preacher, and they're hearing this stuff. And that's, wh that's what happens. Um, <clears throat> that's what this... In, 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 I'm just curious. Who here knows of someone within the past five years, a young person that has been called to the ministry? Anyone? Do you know of a single young person? Come on, someone. No one? Not a single hand went up. In the sound booth, anybody? Anybody? Five years. Do you know what that says? Is God is going to call. He's doing a work with this young man named Paul. Saul. And God renames him Paul. And we have to make sure that just like Stephen was bold for the Lord... That we're bold for the Lord, especially in the press. Oh, Brother Heard knows. Yes, Kevin, that's right. God called him into the ministry. That is absolutely true. That is so. So, Margaret, your nephew's been called. So that is. That's two people we can think of, so that's, that's better than zero, so that is. But that is important. Do you know if we, could fast, if we could rewind 40, 50 years ago, and I asked that question, probably half the hands would go up in a church. That was very common to see a young man follow the Lord in the ministry. Young woman doing that. All right, look here. This is what we're going to answer. There's a question we're going to answer. You don't need to answer it now. I want you to answer it at the end. We're going to loop back to this. 
Why did the religious leaders cover their ears? What happened is Stephen preached a sermon. One of the great, this is the longest sermon in Acts. And after hearing it, the people literally covered their ears thinking, I don't want to hear this. And I want to tell you all where I'm going with this. I believe, I believe, young people today, students, teenagers, their ears are covered. No one wants to hear this. It is the gospel truth. You are boldly proclaiming the good news. You will have people. They, they don't want to hear it. They don't want to deal with it. They want the free stuff. They want two, night, two weeks from a night, we'll have trunk or treat. We'll give away free stuff. There'll be 2,000 folks here getting a piece of candy. And at church, you see, we don't have a single one on 23. Now, they're, they're downstairs, I know, but they're not up here. Anyway, let's follow along. Here we go. Greatest sermon here in Acts. This is the man, he deserves 60 verses because he gave his life. First Christian martyr, first deacon to ever die. This is a passionate homily from this gentleman. And the Sanhedrin is asking, verse 1, Are these things true? The high priest asked. Brothers and fathers, he replied, Listen, the glory of God appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he settled in Haran. Haran. And, he, and he said to him, leave your country and relatives, and come to the land that I will show you. Meaning, Abraham, you're going to leave your land, the land of Ur, that's current day Iraq, where uh, Mesopotamia was back then. He left the land of the Chaldeans and settled in Haran. From there, after his father died, Terran, that's his dad's name, God had a move to this land in which you are now living. He didn't give him an inheritance in it, not even a foot of ground, but he promised to give it to him as a possession and to his descendants after him. Even though he was childless, God spoke in this way. His descendants would be strangers in a foreign country, and they would, enslave, they would be enslaved and oppressed for 400 years. I will judge the nation that they will serve as slaves. God said, after this, they will come out and worship me in this place. That's a reference to Mount Sinai. And so he gave Abraham the covenant of circumcision. After this, he fathered Isaac and circumcised him on the eighth day. Isaac became the father of Jacob, and Jacob became the father of the twelve patriarchs. So Stephen here is given a history of Abraham. And the point of he was saying, God made a great promise to this patriarch, Abraham. And even though he didn't see everything, God was working in his life. So let's keep going here in our Bible. Verse 9. It goes on to say, The patriarchs became jealous of Joseph and sold him into Egypt. But God was with him and rescued him out of all his troubles. He gave him favor and wisdom in the sight of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, who appointed him ruler over Egypt and over his whole household. Now famine and great suffering came over all of Egypt and Canaan, and our ancestors could not find any food. When Jacob heard that there was grain down in Egypt, he sent our ancestors there for the first time. The second time Joseph revealed himself to his brothers, and Joseph's family became known to Pharaoh. Joseph invited his father Jacob and all his relatives, 75 people in all, and Jacob went down to Egypt. And he and our ancestors died there. They were carried back to Shechem. And they were placed in a tomb that Abraham had bought for the sum of silver for the sons of Hamor and Shechem. So now what he's doing here, remember what happened. And, and last Sunday night, Stephen was being accused of, of, of blasphemy. And the blasphemy, remember what is blasphemy? Blasphemy is speaking against God. Do you know I was looking at it this week? Blasphemy in 77 countries. In our, there's like 200 countries on earth. 77 of them still have blasphemy laws. And now, the majority of them are Islamic nations. Pakistan's one of the worst. If you go there and you speak against Allah or Muhammad, you can actually receive the death penalty in some of these Islamic countries. 
for speaking. That's called blasphemy laws. That's what Stephen's being accused of here. And the blasphemy he's being accused of is they rounded up some folks to lie about him. And said, this guy Stephen, one of the deacons who's also a preacher, is going around talking about Jesus and blaspheming Moses and God. So the Sanhedrin says, all right, there's our charge. Round them up, let's talk to them. And that's why he's preaching this sermon. So his audience are the Jewish leaders. And what he's going to show to them is he's saying this whole time God has been working and moving and you fail to realize it. All right, so now we get here to Moses. Moses' life is really summed up in three periods. Period one, first 40 years, he was in Egypt. It was easy living for Moses. Period two, he killed, Moses lost his temper, he killed a man. He had to run out in the wilderness. He was a single guy. He went out in this land out in the middle of nowhere called Midian. For the next 40 years, that's when he had family. That's when he had children. He raised his, he, his family was out there. He just was working as a shepherd. And then when he was 80 years old, God spoke to him. All this theme is God raising up and calling people. You know, I've been talking about God calling young men, but also we see in the Bible God called an 80-year-old man to be his spokesman. Moses, from year 80 to 120, you know, he went to Pharaoh, we went through the plagues, then went through, walked through the Red Sea. For the next 40 years, he wandered around the desert, being led by a cloud, and wandering around, following the Lord, waiting for the people to die away, because they, all they did was complain and want to go back to Egypt. And God raised Moses up. So look right here. So now we're going to talk about Moses. As the time was approaching to fulfill the promise that God had made to Abraham, the people flourished and multiplied in Egypt. Until a different king who did not know Joseph ruled over Egypt. He dealt deceitfully with our race and oppressed our ancestors by making them abandon their infants outside so they wouldn't survive. At this time Moses was born. He was beautiful in God's sight. He was, care, he was cared for in his father's home for three months. When he was put outside, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and raised him as her own son. So as Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in his speech and actions. When it says he was powerful in his speech, he was powerful because his brother Aaron helped him be powerful with his speech. Moses spoke, and then Aaron went and actually said the words. Moses stuttered. But the words were from God. When he was 40 years old, he decided to visit his own people, the Israelites. When he saw one of them being mistreated, he came to his rescue and avenged the oppressed man by striking down the Egyptian. He assumed his people would understand that God would give them deliverance through him. But they did not understand. The next day he showed up while they were fighting and tried to reconcile them peacefully, saying, Men, are you brothers? Why are you mistreating each other? But the one who was mistreating his neighbor pushed Moses aside saying, Who appoints you ruler and judge over us? Do you want to kill me the same way you killed the Egyptian yesterday? When he heard this, Moses fled and became an exile in the land of Midian, where he became the father of two sons. After 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai in the flame of a burning bush. When Moses saw it, he was amazed at the sight. As he was approaching to look at it, the voice of the Lord came. I am the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob. Moses began to tremble and did not dare to look. The Lord said to him, Take off your sandals from your feet, because the place you're standing is holy ground. Do you know this sanctuary is holy ground? We come to worship and we come to honor the Lord because the Bible is being taught. And I think that is something that we have to remember. Holiness means we're set apart. You know, there can be lots of entertainment going on. But the sanctuary is the place that you're coming to meet with God. Keep going here. 
Verse 34, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their groaning and I have come down to set them free. And, and now, come, I will send you to Egypt. This Moses, whom they rejected when they said, Who appointed you ruler and judge? This one, this one God sent as a ruler and a deliverer through the angel who appeared to him in the bush. This man led them out and performed wonders and signs in the land of Egypt at the Red Sea and in the wilderness for 40 years. So we see here that God is, re, or Stephen is recapping the story of what's happening. So we're, we're I want y'all to understand probably what's happening is these religious leaders are thinking, Stephen, why are you telling me this? I already know the Bible. I know the whole Old Testament or their Hebrew Bible back then. So he's, he's building a case. He's telling this story of God's workings because his knockout punch is about to come. And I think we always have to remember who's listening. Saul was right there. This is why you never want to miss an opportunity to teach and instruct people about the Lord. You know, frequently parents will um, ask me, Daniel, I, I have children, because I meet with children. They're getting ready, thinking about getting baptized. They're taking those steps to Jesus. I do this almost every week. Almost do, do it every week. But what happens is, the parents always say, well, what are some questions? How can I start Jesus' conversations with my children? And maybe in your case, it's your grandchildren. And I want to tell you all how to do it. You bring them to church. They listen to a sermon. You bring them to Sunday school. They listen to a lesson. You bring them on Wednesday night and they listen to Revelation. Then when you get in the car, when you get home, you ask questions about it. You, br you bring that into the conversation. So you're forcing young folks, you're forcing others, what do you think? Did you understand what he was talking about? You're looking for any way to share and communicate the gospel. Alright, keep going here. Look at this rebellion. Verse 37. This is the Moses who said to the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your brothers and sisters. He is the one who is in the assembly in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai and with our ancestors. He received living oracles to give us. Our ancestors were unwilling to obey him. Instead, they pushed him aside and in their hearts turned back to Egypt. They told Aaron, Make us gods who will go before us. As for this Moses who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what happened to him. They even made a calf in those days, offered a sacrifice to an idol, and were celebrating what their hands had made. God turned away and gave them up to worship the stars of heaven. And it is written in the book of the prophets, House of Israel, did you bring me offerings and sacrifices for 40 years in the wilderness? You took up the tent of Moloch and the star of your god Repin, the images that you were to worship. Meaning God's saying, guys, for 40 years, you wandered in the desert and you griped and complained. And when things got bad, you even turned to false gods and you worshiped. You weren't coming and bringing me an offering. So I will send you into exile beyond Babylon. So they go into exile. And that happened after Nebuchadnezzar came and destroyed Jerusalem and captured the Israelites and brought them into exile into Babylon. There's two places in the Bible you never want to go. That's Egypt and Babylon. Whenever you find yourself in Egypt or Babylon, you're you're in a place of wickedness. I want to describe the difference. Egypt was a place of slavery. You, it was oppression. It was tough times. Babylon would relate to today. Babylon was a place of just immorality. False worship. Anything goes. Believe whatever you want to believe. We live in a place, probably today, more like Babylon. Our Christian brothers and sisters that live in North Korea and in Pakistan, they live in a place more like Egypt because of the oppression, the blasphemy laws, 
the the if you the anti evangelization if you share the gospel you could be arrested for even giving out a gospel track in certain nations it's illegal that's egypt that's the oppression so look what keep going here this is the sermon we're getting to the knockout punch and the knockout punch is this resistance of the holy spirit keep going here verse 44 i know it's long our ancestors had the tabernacle of the testimony in the wilderness just as he who spoke to Moses commanded him to make it according to the pattern he had seen. Our ancestors in turn received it with Joshua and brought it in when they dispossessed the nations that God drove out before them. Until the days of David, he found favor, David did, in God's sight and asked that he might provide a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. It was Solomon, rather, who built him a house. But the Most High, who is God, does not dwell in sanctuaries made with hands. As the prophet says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What sort of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what will be my resting place? Did not my hand make all these things? Do you know that prophecy there? That comes from Isaiah 66, verses 1 and 2. God is reminding the people Everything I have comes from you. God's telling us. He reminds us that it's all His. What can you do? What can you make me when the earth is mine? When heaven is a footstool for me? Keep going here in your Bible. Verse 51. Now here's the accusation. You stiff-necked people and uncircumcised with uncircumcised hearts and ears. You're always resisting the Holy Spirit. That's what it means to have a hard heart. When God is convicting you of sin, when He's moving in your life, and you refuse to turn. Do you know why it's called stiff neck? Because you won't turn to the Lord. You're just, you're stubborn. You will not respond to Jesus he says, actually, he described them as uncircumcised hearts and ears. Meaning you hear the truth, but you refuse to listen to God. As your ancestors did, you also do. Which of the prophets did your ancestors not persecute? They even killed those who foretold the coming of the righteous one. Whose betrayers and murderers you have now become. You received the law under the direction of angels, yet you have not kept it. Meaning, God has sent prophet after prophet, including John the Baptist, who is the greatest prophet of all, and all you do is kill him. Every person who was sent by the Lord, that prophet, even Isaiah, was killed. He was put in a log and sawed in two. God sends prophets. And they were rejected and they were murdered. And then the greatest of all was the Messiah was sent and they murdered him. That's what it means to resist the Holy Spirit. And what's happening here is Stephen is condemning him. He's saying, Sanhedrin, Jewish leaders, it's you. You're the problem. All right, now look what, keep going here. Verse 54, last section. And then we're going to look at the response. When they heard these things, all this sermon, it's over now. They were enraged and gashed their teeth at him. They're mad. You know, the truth, when you speak truth into people's life, they don't want to hear it. Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God. So he's now looking up. He's in praise on trial. He's looking up. Saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. I mean, that's a sign of approval. Like they killed Jesus. The last thing they want to know is see this man looking into heaven and talking about Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Stephen said, verse 56, Look, I see the heavens opened. 
and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Son of Man is Jesus. Look at this, church, don't miss this. This is their response. They yelled at the top of their voices, covered their ears, and rushed together against Him. They screamed, covered their ears, and went to Ken to kill him. Why would they cover their ears? I want to tell you, if you answer that question, they did not want to hear truth. Broadway Baptist Church, we are surrounded by folks that are dying out there. Just dying. Hopeless situations. You know, I went to Keeneland yesterday. And I cracked a joke about everybody playing on their phone. And I shared this at 1109. Do you know what they had in their other hand? They had a beverage. And it wasn't a Coke. These are young people. And they're there just drinking and drinking and drinking. They're not thinking about the things of the Lord. They're not thinking about, am I living for God? Am I honoring Christ? We live in a city of immorality. And you go out there and you boldly proclaim the truth. And people, they don't want to hear it. They literally cover their ears. Saying, I don't want to hear this. I don't want to talk to you. And I think what we have to be is we, God needs to raise up Stephen's because something's about to happen with Stephen. Stephen's about to die. You know, we're going through Revelation on Wednesday night. You have to answer a question. And we're getting in a section that's about to get hard. Are you willing to die for what you believe in? When someone puts the barrel pointed at you, and say, you're going, to follow Christ, you're going to follow the 666 and take the number of the beast, the mark, or you're out of here. What will you say? Your commitment to Christ needs to be at a point spiritually where you say, I am willing to die for this man. And when folks cover their ears, it's okay. They cover their ears with Stephen. We are surrounded by folks that are just covering their ears, they don't want to hear it. The Christian witness is going to be shut down. It's, 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 it's currently trying to be shut down. Because we proclaim gospel truth. You say, oh Daniel, this country was founded on religious liberty. That was 400 years ago. Do you know what happened while the Egyptians were in slavery for 400 years? It started out really good. Joseph was there with them. You know, our nation's about 400 years old. Or when the pilgrims came over, 400 years old. We've been here in the U.S. 400 years. We celebrate, well, Columbus Day is tomorrow. That's, all, that's getting close to 400 years. That's the 500. But when the pilgrims came over, what was that, 1616? Six, yeah, around there. And what happened was, 1619. And what happened was, Joseph, he led the folks to get grain, and they flourished in Egypt. Pharaoh recognized them. But after 400 years, they went from flourishing to being in slavery. The people of God were in slavery. In this sermon that Stephen just preached here, don't, look, go back to this verse here. Look what it says right here. In verse... Anyway, I can't find it. It says, oh, here it is, verse 6. Look at this. Look up here on the board. Look at, look, at, look at 7, 6. Chapter 7, verse 6 up here on the board. Because I want you to pull this out. I want to make an important point with this. Well, read in your Bible. It tells us here. God spoke in this way. His descendants would be a stranger in a foreign country. And they would be enslaved and oppressed for 400 years. 400 years. That's how long we've been here in America. And it started out as great. We had religious freedom. Things were going wonderful. God was blessing our land. Well, 400 years later for Egypt, those guys were in utter slavery. 
And it can happen and it will happen here. Things that start out good, that for the Lord, God had even led the people in Egypt. God has led us into America. But we lost, we lost that freedom. We're not careful, we're losing it. And there's a parallel here. Stephen speaking to you and I, saying it. The people cover their ears. They don't want to hear it. But that doesn't mean you have to be quiet. So look at what happened here. They charge him in verse 57. Verse 58. Look here in your Bibles. They dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. You know, this is almost comical. You know why they had to pull him out of the city? Because it was illegal to kill someone inside the city walls. So you just bring them outside the gates and then you kill them. As if they're honoring the Lord. They're, I mean, it's the most ridiculous thing in the world. It says, I'm going to kill a man. Let's just make sure we move 10 feet over here so we're outside the walls so we don't disobey the Lord. So they don't disobey the Lord, so they actually follow Mosaic law and drag them outside the city. And they begin to stone them. And the witnesses laid their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. So there's a man named Saul who's watching this. He's witnessing this first martyr in this sermon. While they're stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. If you ever die for Jesus, you need to you can cry that out to the Lord. That same thing Stephen did. He knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. After saying this, he died. Now, he prayed a prayer there. That said, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. God answered that prayer. Look at your hand out here. Look at this. Very bottom. Saul, who becomes Paul, is there watching Stephen die. He became the answer to Stephen's prayer. Stephen's getting stoned to death, and there's a young man watching this. And God did not hold that murder against Paul. Because Stephen's asking the Lord, says, Lord, these people are killing me and all I'm doing is following you. Don't hold it against them. Meaning, save them too. Even the one stoning me. The next chapter, it happens. God got a hold of Saul who became Paul and the greatest missionary ever to live. And that in many ways, the reason why we're Christians today, because when he was going north, he went towards Europe instead of towards Asia. And the gospel spread this way because of a man named Paul, if you follow, when he went into Europe. The gospel went up into Rome, into Italy, and up into Europe and England. And then just spread to America because of a man named Paul. God didn't hold it against them. So this, this, this prayer he prays, we see these words here. In verse 60, Lord, do not hold the sin against them. That just seems very casual talk. But that's a prayer that he prayed and God answered. And he gave his life. Stephen prayed for murderers. Do you know, this was in 33 AD when this happened. This was shortly after Jesus. Not far after Jesus had been resurrected and ascended to heaven. You know, we've moved pretty quickly through Acts at this point. 33, 34 AD, not, not much time has passed. The same hatred for Jesus that existed back then exists today. Today's message, in summary, God does not live in a temple. The earth, He owns everything of us. He is looking for you and I to be believers that, is, are, that are willing to make a bold stand for Him, even to the point of death. When it's not popular, when people cover their ears, when they mock you, when they insult you, Jesus is calling us. He's commanding us. If Stephen can do it, and if Paul can do it, by, by golly, you should be able to do it. This is what it means to be a bold 
Christian. Is that you? If you heard this sermon and you watched this man, you watch a man die for his faith, you're going to think there's something made of that guy. He believes. She believes in that. You know, the context today, you say, Daniel, nobody's getting killed for their faith. You're right. They might not be getting killed like this, but they're getting killed other ways. You lose friends. Some people, don't, you're not, they don't want to hang out with you. They avoid you. Because I want to tell you, you speak truth and you're bold with folks. They, they will, they'll shy away. They won't answer your phone calls, your text messages, especially if you're inviting them to church. But we have to remember, all we do is sow the seed. God wants you and I. The message of the gospel is, remember, from chapter 3, Genesis 3, where are you? God's asking, where are you at? And the way he asks that question is through you and I. I pray God's going to raise up our church as a bunch of Stevens. It would be incredible for our church to see a missionary force rise up from here, to see college students, see young adults and senior adults that are bold witnesses for the Lord, that are constantly inviting people to Broadway to come here and hear the good news preached. That is what we do. We want to have a confidence in the gospel. Christ wants you to be just like Stephen. Let's bow our heads. God, I pray for this special prayer tonight. I pray that we identify with this man who literally gave everything for you. He prayed for those killing him and you answered the prayer. Thank you for saving Saul. Thank you for making Saul the greatest missionary ever. God, I pray tonight, if some of us here are weak in our faith and we're wrestling with our relationship with you, Lord, we'll just pull out this, this chapter 7, these 60 verses, and read about the boldness of this first deacon who is not ashamed. God, I thank you for your word. I pray you give us a deep knowledge of your word. And I pray that you just continue to grow us and instruct us in your ways. This invitation, Lord, is yours. I pray we respond to the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to have our invitation. If you want to join our church tonight, you can certainly do that. You just walk the aisle and come down here. If you join, you get a piece of candy. You can walk down this aisle and pray. You can walk down this aisle and say, I'm ready to be bold for Jesus. We're going to have our invitation. We, let's all stand together. And I'll be waiting down front for you to respond as Chris plays. Turn with us to hymn 433 as we sing together this evening. All to Jesus I surrender. All to Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him in His presence daily live. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. All to Jesus, I surrender. Make me Savior, holy vine. Let me feel Thy Holy Spirit. Truly know that Thou art mine. I surrender all. I surrender. I surrender.
Chris. Thank you for that song, for leading us here in worship tonight. I'm so glad everybody came to Sunday Night Church. I want to remind everybody our next time we meet is Wednesday night. We meet every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. We're studying the book of Revelation, dinner at 5.30. Darling, what's, what's for the menu? I haven't even looked at the menu. What's, what are we having Wednesday night? Chicken pot pie. That's at 5.30. Then we have Bible study at 6.30. So it's a great time for you and your family and friends to certainly come to, um, to Wednesday night Bible study. I'm going to ask Chris, you have a closing song? Yeah, let's sing that chorus of How Great Thou Art one more time. Let's sing together. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art. How great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art. How great thou art. Amen. You're dismissed. Have a good night.